It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Utah's source for exclusive access and insights behind the news. Here's the opinion page editor of the Deseret News, Boyd Matheson, on KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Welcome, everyone, to Inside Sources. It is great to be with you today. I am Boyd Matheson, opinion editor at the Deseret News. And as always, a lot of ground to cover on the fastest 60 minutes in radio. But what we're really going to do is we're going to help you slow things down. We're going to separate the rage from the reason and make sure that you can make the news make sense in your world today. And as always, I want to know what's on your mind. A lot happening uh, between what is going on in Washington, D.C., the State of the Union last night. We have a vote on impeachment of the president coming up here in just a couple of hours. Uh, we've also got continuing uh, things going on in Iowa and New Hampshire as it relates to the 2020 election. So a lot to cover, a lot to get to. Uh, let us know what's on your mind today. You can do that, as always, on the Utah Community Credit Union text line, 57500. Again, 57500, Utah Community Credit Union text line, only when it's safe because safety first. That's the name of the game. All right, so uh want to continue to break down the State of the Union from yesterday and uh, was uh, one that clocked in uh, not quite record territory. This was not Bill Clinton. He will continue to hold the record uh, for the longest delivery of a State of the Union at about an hour, 28 minutes and 47 seconds, I think is the record. Uh, President Trump came in short of that, but it was a night filled with a, a lot of drama, uh, a lot of intrigue. Uh, really, it was uh, made for television, <laughs> which uh, which is not the way I think the founders intended it to be. But we'll break that down. Uh, but the president began, uh, as is his constitutional duty, uh, to give a report on the State of the Union. And he said, Members of Congress, the state of our union is strong. There you go. The State of the Union is strong. That is the uh, one constitutional duty he has as it relates to the State of the Union. And, uh, of course, to, to great cheers. And it was interesting to, to watch. And we're going to break this down uh, shortly with Herb Scribner. We'll talk about what happened on the Twitterverse and uh, all of the social media channels throughout the course of the speech and the aftermath. But I, I think there are a couple of things to, to keep in mind. One, this was a pivot to 2020. If, if ever there was a an official kickoff to the 2020 re-election campaign of the president, last night was it. He was able to tout uh, his success in a in a number of uh, spaces and places, uh, which is what they do. That's just what presidents do in election years. They sort of lay down the gauntlet uh, of where things are and where they uh, intend to go as it relates to 2020. And it was interesting that he did that in the context of just complete disarray in Iowa as it related to the Iowa caucus. So here the Democrats did not have a great uh, foot to stand on uh, to, to really proclaim a message. Uh, instead, it was just this chaos of not knowing what's going on. Was the uh, was everything handled properly? When are we going to get the results? We still only have 71% of the vote in, by the way, in the Iowa caucus. And so... 
Uh, we'll continue to monitor that. We'll, we'll weigh in that a little bit more as we go through the program today. Uh, but I want to give just a uh, quick, here's some of the, the key messages, and you should remember these messages because you're going to hear them a gazillion times between now and November coming from President Trump and his administration in terms of what they've done and what they intend to do next. America's enemies are on the run. America's fortunes are on the rise, and America's future is blazing bright. 132 lawmakers in this room have endorsed legislation to impose a socialist takeover of our health care system. Our agenda is relentlessly pro-worker, pro-family, pro-growth, and most of all, pro-American. All right. Uh, so it, it's all about the positives. It's about the things that are going well in terms of the, the growth, the security of the country and where that's going next. I did find it very interesting that the president spent a significant time addressing uh, minority communities. And I, I think that's going to be something to watch. It was really interesting in the uh, post kind of the post game analysis after the speech. Van Jones from CNN, uh, normally not a uh, real fan of the president, a strong Democrat, served in the Obama administration, although he did tag team with uh, Utah Senator Mike Lee and the president to get historic uh, uh, change and reform in the criminal justice system. Uh, But he said something really interesting last night. He, He said that the president's speech was a wake up call to the Democrats. And then he went on to to delineate how the Democrats have taken in particular, the African-American community, for granted, and that this year could be a year of reckoning for Democrats and the minor- some of the minority communities, uh, and that the president delivered a very strong message, which I agree with. I thought the president, it was one of his better speeches. It was very controlled, much more presidential than you often see him on the campaign trail uh, and in front of large groups, so he was very disciplined that way. The word impeachment was not uttered. Uh, in the chamber by the president, uh, so he resisted the urge to uh, to lash out there. And, but Van Jones said, "Look, this this was good." He he talked about unemployment uh, among black youth being lower than it's uh, been in a long, long time. That upward mobility was happening, and criminal justice reform, and so on and so on. Uh, and so I thought that was uh, a really intriguing take by Van Jones. Again, someone who's not normally a um, uh, on the president's side, other than criminal justice reform. Uh, but he was calling out his uh, fellow Democrats, uh, particularly those running for the presidency, to say, you better get connected in the minority communities. You've got to do the work there. You can't just give speeches about there. Uh, so I thought that was one unique take that not a lot of people are talking about today, but I think was was really important. Of course, what people are talking about uh, is the, the non-handshake, uh, the introduction by the speaker, normally – The speaker says it is my high honor and privilege to introduce the president of the United States. Uh, Nancy Pelosi chose to simply say, members of Congress, the president of the United States. Uh, So, again, another little jib and jab going there. And then, of course, the big moment at the end uh, where she actually tore up uh, the the speech, which is is not actually a speech. I think it's really important to recognize that's an official document. required by the constitution the speech is is kind of bonus the the document is demanded by the constitution it is a report to congress delivered to the speaker of the house on the state of the union 
The speech is just extra. So when Nancy Pelosi was uh, tearing that up, she was tearing up an official government document signed by the president with the seal of the the president, uh, and she was ripping that up. So I I think that was a uh, wildly uh, big miss on her part. And I guarantee you that the images of that will be played tens of thousands of times in political ads between now and November. And any Democrat running in a swing district uh, anywhere in America uh, is going to see that. And they're going to be tied to it and they're going to have to explain it. Uh, So I think it was a really bad, poor, uh, very poor political choice for Nancy Pelosi on that one. I also want to call out the the Republicans. The chance of four more years uh, was wildly inappropriate in the well of the House Uh, the people's house of the United States of America. Uh, You can cheer, you can clap, you can do all of those things. uh, But uh, making it that political in that environment, I thought uh, was a was a big miss for the Republicans. Uh, It's one of those if you're winning, you know, act like you've been there before. No need to spike the ball uh, in the uh, House of Representatives as the president speaking uh, last night. So a lot of interesting things to watch, a lot of interesting trends happening there, and uh, we're going to continue to, to monitor the fallout uh, and how that plays out as, uh, as we go through the, the rest of the day today. We're going to go ahead and step aside, take a quick commercial break. When we come back, Herb Scribner is going to join us. We'll see what happened on social media, what, uh, what the reaction was to all the shenanigans going on uh, during the State of the Union last night. Stay with us. I'm Boyd Matheson, opinion editor of the Deseret News. We're here on KSL News Radio. Inside Sources. Welcome back, everyone, to Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio. I am Boyd Matheson, opinion editor at the Deseret News. Uh, we're continuing to break down the State of the Union speech, uh, what was said, what wasn't, and uh, all the shenanigans in between. Uh, joined by Herb Scribner from the Deseret News. Herb, thanks for joining us today. Yeah, thanks for holding the spot for me, Boyd. I- uh- Love coming on here. All right. We always have an open mic for Herb. That's sort of the rule around here. It's kind of like the empty chair at empty microphone spot. But uh, <laughs> we appreciate having Herb. Uh, Herb, you're always watching for the trends and uh, what the reaction of people are, uh, which is so important to just see what are not just the talking heads, but what are the real people uh, really thinking about. Uh, and so as you watched the State of the Union last night, as you watched what played out, not just during the speech, but what's happened in the, the 12 or so hours since then, uh, what, what what are some takeaways in terms of what real people are responding to? Yeah, I think a lot of people had a reaction to um, the Nancy Pelosi moments, mm-hmm. um, you know, ripping the speech, the non-handshake, handshake thing with her and Trump. Um, but I think overall people seem to actually not not lean one way or the other with the speech itself. I think a lot of people um, just kind of said, okay, this was good, like this was solid, like it was State of the Union. I think a lot of – there was a lot of chatter about like uh, leading up to it. Will he talk about the impeachment trial? Right. Will he go into that whole thing? Will Like how is he going to address? But he was very like middle of the road, didn't really do that. Um, there was some talk about how it was kind of like a center-right speech, mm-hmm. um, which appealed to obviously people who are going to be voting this year – um, and you know, I saw a lot of people said that like if you haven't tuned into politics and you've tuned out, which I know a lot of people have. A lot of people have, yeah. A lot of people have. Uh, this could have been a very good speech to hear because you uh, are just seeing what um, Trump has kind of uh, done for the country in that sense. Yeah. Um, but there was that, and then obviously there were a lot of heartwarming moments that had a lot of people talking. Yeah, um, let's jump, let's jump into that for a second uh, because uh, it really goes back to Ronald Reagan. Ronald Reagan was really the first president to 
invite people into the gallery and to use them, you know, as uh, not as props, but as uh, as illustrations of principles and policies uh, that had taken place. And, and that has gotten more and more over the years. Uh, I think President Trump took it to a whole new level last night. Uh, as he did everything from awarding a uh, Medal of Freedom to to Rush Limbaugh, a little controversy there. Uh, and then we also saw, uh, I thought what the moment of the night was, uh, was when he had the, you know, the, the great grandson uh, of oh, the Tuskegee yeah. Airmen. Yeah. And, to, and to take that, not just uh, to the African-American community, but literally took it generationally from airplanes and World War II all the way to Space Force yeah. and the future was interesting. What, what was the reaction to that? Yeah, a lot of people loved that moment. It was one of the the tear-jerking moments, right? Yeah. Um, and I think it was also kind of interesting from a lot of perspectives from what I saw was that, like, there's been a lot of, like, jokes and kind of, like, memes about Space Force. Uh-huh. But this actually, I think, put it in, like, like real life, right? Made it real, yeah. yeah. made it real. Like, this kid, you know, he's young. He wants to get involved with that. He wants to climb up just like his family. And so you see that this is going to be a real thing, and you see also just like the impact that being a, a member of our, you know, the U.S. military yeah. can have on someone. And um, and yeah, the kid, the kid drew a lot of reaction because he was very, you know, dressed up, and he looked very, you know, he looked like someone who could be in the space force, right? Yeah. He looked like someone who's going to grow up to be involved in that. Um, and so it was a very patriotic moment. And those are the moments I think you like to see in a state of the union. Yeah, you know? I, I think that was interesting. I uh, actually did an interview. Uh, with uh, Jim Bridenstine, who's the oh, administrator yeah. at NASA. And we talked a little bit about Space Force. It doesn't fall under NASA. Right. But he made a really interesting comment. He said, you know, people ha- have kind of joked online uh, about Space Force and what what is that really all about. But he actually took it back to the Air Force. He said the, the, the reason we have an Air Force was, was not because uh, we needed to be in the air, uh, but it was because <laughs> of what we were defending. And he said, huh. most people don't think that we need a space force because a lot of our lives actually happen in space, right. off of satellites and, yeah. and transmitters and everything from our you know our smartphones to our cable television and and right. listening to the radio. Yeah, uh, that that's why we have to protect that area. So I thought that was kind of a, a an interesting take there. Yeah. Um, also wanted to get your uh, your take, Herb. Uh, Obviously, the, the the back and forth, the chanting in the chamber. Uh, any any interesting online reaction to kind of the reaction from uh, Democrats and Republicans inside the chamber? Yeah, I think a lot of people were kind of surprised when Democrats were at the moments Democrats chose to sit at, mm-hmm. um, and then a lot of people were kind of like, and this this happens I think every time. Like people were kind of on the case of the Republicans saying like, why are you standing up all the time? Like, can we just have a minute here? Yeah. Um, but it was it was interesting going back and forth in that way. I think there were some moments there that like people stood up for that you were kind of like okay with. But then Democrats sitting down, there was a lot of discussion about. Yeah, and I I honestly think the the Republicans chanting four more years was uh, way over the line, inappropriate. Yeah. yeah, and I think that caught a lot of people off guard because it was just kind of like you do, you don't expect to see that. Yeah. Um, so I think that was and that kind of fits in with some other people's narratives that this was in a way. This is not my opinion. This is what I read online. This is there was also some campaigning here for Trump. Yep. So I think that kind of fits into that, right? Yeah, for sure. Uh, and uh, of course, the, the the big moment I think for everyone, uh, the the biggest reaction on social media was clearly the the tearing of the document yeah. uh, at the end. Uh, one of our texters just uh, wrote in and says, "Do you think uh, we will hear the chant of lock her up for Nancy Pelosi during the election this time for destroying a legal document?" <laughs> well, I mean, there is. I mean, you know. 
I don't know if we'll hear it, but it, you know, there's a you know, there's that law, right? Yeah. Right. So <laughs> that's right. Uh, I, I do think this is one of those things, though. That um, uh, again, I think we have to be careful uh, in our rhetoric. One, I thought it again was inappropriate for the Republicans to do. Uh, I do think uh, going back to the 2016 campaign when you did have this chant of lock her up on mm-hmm. the campaign trail, that was actually the one of, of all the chants that have gone on over the last uh, four or six years. Uh, that's the one that disturbs me the most Yeah, uh, is this lock her up uh, kind of thing, because that is that is what uh, bad people do right. uh, with their political rivals and opponents. Uh, and so I think that's what we have to be careful of. Uh, obviously, a lot of memes came came out of it. Yeah. Uh, best best meme you saw in the last twenty four hours. I think the funniest one was with the uh, making light of the Pelosi ripping the papers, and it was like um, when my credit card bill comes in the mail, and it's just like her <laughs> ripping it. I thought that was perfect. Um, and then, uh, yeah, that was pretty much that was pretty much the main one, which was fun. That's yeah. fun, you know. And I think that's. Um, you're going to create memeable moments these yeah. days. So. Yeah, that's right. Uh, the, the the memes are uh, just a fascinating thing. Uh, Nancy Pelosi just put out another statement that said, uh, he shredded the truth, so I shredded his speech. Uh, so, again, that uh, tit for tat is going to continue to go on there. Uh, and it's, uh, again, just a, a fascinating thing. So now, now we rock it forward. Uh, and interesting, just uh, any other trends you're spotting in terms of uh, what happened in Iowa? Mm-hmm. Uh, I know some of the people from New Hampshire – uh, they started, uh, sort of, they started it, not like yeah. Nancy Pelosi and President Trump saying he started it, she started it. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was New Hampshire saying, you know, Iowa counts corn, we count votes, uh, <laughs> sort of launched their uh, internet battle there. What else are you seeing? I'm seeing a lot of relief that um, we aren't the only ones who struggle using apps. You know, I think a lot of people are saying like, oh, Iowa struggled with an app. Like, that's such a 2020 thing, right? Struggling yeah. with apps. But a lot of people are also like, okay, like, when are we going to get these results? And New Hampshire's probably going to have results before Iowa does. Yeah. So, I mean, that's the funny thing. But I think a lot of people are just kind of like, it's bit, it's a busy week in politics. Yeah, so, it is. I think there's yeah. a lot of people who are exhausted out there by uh, by all of it. People are hoping for maybe a quiet weekend this weekend. Let's hope. Let's hope. I hope you have one, deployed. All right. I'll take that. All right. Herb Scribner joining us from the Deseret News, always looking at the interesting trends. And there was a lot of activity going on on social media over the last 24 hours. And I think it will continue. Uh, and so you want to continue with us. Uh, we will continue on until the top of the hour. Uh, KSL will cover uh, Senator Mitt Romney's speech coming up at noon today. Uh, We've heard from Senator Lee. We'll break his speech down here coming up in the next segment, and then we will anticipate what Senator Romney will do in his 10 minutes of floor time coming up at top of the hour. So stay with us here on KSL News Radio. We'll step aside, come back with more. Don't miss it on KSL News Radio. We'll be right back. A gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Sources.
sources. Inside sources. Utah's source for exclusive access and insights behind the news. Here's the opinion page editor of the Deseret News, Boyd Matheson, on KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Welcome back, everyone, to Inside Sources. Great to be with you as always today. I am Boyd Matheson, opinion editor at the Deseret News. And as we continue to monitor all things uh, happening here in the state of Utah and across the country, uh, we uh, are awaiting the uh, speech on the Senate floor from Senator Mitt Romney that will come up a little after noon our time today. I know we'll bring that to you live, and uh, you'll definitely want to listen in uh, to hear the other senator from the state of Utah as uh, he has his 10 minutes. Each senator was given 10 minutes to weigh in on the impeachment trial. So that is 1,000 minutes, about 16 hours worth of uh, speeches from members of the Senate before the vote. Uh, the vote should take place uh, right at 2 o'clock uh, local time. And we'll also cover that here on KSL News Radio uh, as the president is expected to be acquitted. Remember the, uh, the number... Uh, to convict the president uh, on the uh, allegations and the uh, documents uh, is 67. And I don't think they'll get anywhere near that, uh, but it will be interesting to see if there are any crossover votes from either side. And uh, we'll we'll take a look at that. Uh, we continue to get uh, feedback in on the uh, Utah Community Credit Union text line. Uh, we did have one other texter who said, I'm just I'm tired of the childish actions of our elected officials, totally disrespectful to the nation and to the Capitol. Uh, and I couldn't agree more. Uh, there's just so much of that that is just so childish. Uh, and we should expect more from our elected officials and we should accept less uh, of this justification of he said, she said, who started it. Uh, they really do sound like a bunch of third graders, which I think is actually offensive to third graders because uh, I've seen third graders behave much better uh, in uh, in light of what we saw in the House chamber last night. So anyway, I think that will be a, a blip on the screen. Most uh, of these speeches, the State of the Unions, do, do not go down in the history books. This one might just because the, the history book was torn in half. Uh, so the uh, the documents, again, is going to be an interesting thing to see how that plays out. If they taped it back together and put it in the congressional record, if they uh, went for a new copy, if they used the vice president's backup copy uh, for that. But again, it is a signed document. Seal of the president, signature of the president of the United States goes on that document. Uh, so I'm just very curious who picked it up last night and where did they take it? Where is that document today, the speech uh, from the president? All right, let's go to the uh, impeachment issue now. And uh, we heard earlier this hour from uh, Senator Mike Lee. He took his 10 minutes on the floor of the United States Senate, uh, really based it on the separation of powers and the responsibility of those in elected office uh, versus those who are simply employees of the executive branch uh, and spent some significant time kind of breaking that all down. Uh, Here's a quick clip, if you happen to miss it, uh, of uh, what Senator Lee had to say during his 10 minutes that he was allocated on the floor of the United States Senate. At the end of the day, this government does in fact stand accountable to the people. This government is of, by, and for the people. We cannot remove the 45th president of the United States for doing something that the law and the Constitution allows him to do without doing undue violence to that system of government to which every single one of us has sworn an oath. All right, so uh, 
that Senator Mike Lee uh, taking to the floor of the Senate. Again, each senator was allotted 10 minutes uh, to make uh, whatever remarks they wanted to. This was uh, actually not part of the uh, Senate trial specifically. So if you if you noticed, uh, it was back to the empty chamber, which we're going to talk about in our final segment today. Uh, the Supreme Court justice was not presiding. This is in what they call morning business. Uh, so just uh, another member of the Senate uh, presides at those. And everyone gets their 10 minutes. And so he he broke it down in terms of separation of power, what the president is allowed to do and isn't allowed to do, and uh, what those who work within the executive branch uh, should and shouldn't be allowed to do. And I think in some ways he was also calling for members of Congress to, to take back their authority. There's been so much that has been ceded to or just abdicated to the executive branch over the years and uh, I think he was calling on his uh, fellow senators to say, hey, it's time for us to reclaim what is rightly our power uh, as it relates to everything from from war powers uh, to a host of other things uh, that uh, the senators, again, have abdicated be- because it's easier. It's easier to just let the executive branch do it. Uh, but that does not make it right. Uh, so that's a, an interesting thing. Uh, again, as I, I mentioned, uh, Senator Romney will be uh, giving his speech uh, coming up here uh, right after the top of the hour. So stay tuned on KSL News Radio for that. Uh, it, it's really interesting to me uh, where Senator Romney will go in this speech. Uh, we've compared and contrasted the two. Uh, Senator Lee and Senator Romney have disagreed on a number of pieces over the course of the impeachment trial in the United States Senate, uh, but they have always maintained their relationship. And their decorum. Uh, Senator Romney has taken a lot of heat for some of his positions and uh, his vote on witnesses. Uh, Senator Lee, of course, took to Twitter, uh, boldly defended uh, his friend and colleague, Senator Romney. And uh, I, I think that's an important thing uh, for us to all wrap our heads around that that's okay. You can have two people who can stand on principle with integrity and with respect uh, and see the world very differently. That's that's part of what makes the country extraordinary. And, and so we have to get back to that. Uh, I, I shared the other day that, uh, you know, I think I think Bono got it right. You know, to be one, to be unified is a great thing. But to respect the right to be different is maybe even greater. Uh, I, I really believe that. Uh, I also believe it's true that, you know, we often talk about we, we need more people who are uh are committed to showing political courage. What does it take to have political courage? Well, you know, it doesn't. It doesn't take a whole lot of courage to uh, yell and scream uh, against your opponents. That's politics. That's what people expect you to do. But it does take political courage to to stand up to your supporters, to your friends, and say, "Yeah, you know what? That's a little out of line." Or, you know what? Uh, that's not the principle I think we should be standing on. Uh, that's a lot tougher and requires a lot more courage. And, and I think it's, again, you can show that on either side of the aisle. No one, no one uh, has ownership of those principles. They're not Democratic principles. They're not Republican principles. They're just American principles. And we need to, we need to get more comfortable with that and say, okay, we just see the world a little different and we can stand on principle and we can we can talk policy and we can compromise on things that we can get together on. And it's all OK. Uh, to me, that's one of the, the great things uh, coming out of all of this is that we, we live in a country that's strong. We have founding documents that are strong enough uh, 
to survive this kind of challenge and this kind of debate and this kind of impeachment trial. Uh, very different from what we've had in the in the past, but I think the country will pass the test again. The country will move forward. The sun's going to come up tomorrow, and everybody's going to march forward. And that's that's the way it goes, and that's a good thing. And so we should we should celebrate that. All right, we're going to go ahead and step aside for our final break. When we come back, I'm going to give you part two of the echo of the empty chamber. Why that is probably the biggest problem that we have in the United States Senate. Stay with us on KSL News Radio. We'll be right back. Inside Sources. Welcome back, everyone. Final segment of Inside Sources today. Great to be with you as always. I am Boyd Matheson, opinion editor at the Deseret News. And we're going to wrap up, uh, as we often do, trying to get to principle, trying to get to the things that uh, actually matter the most and what we can actually do about it uh, as citizens of this country and of this community. And so I want to come a little full circle here today. Uh, A few weeks ago, I I talked about this idea of the echo of the empty chamber. And it is often what you see in Washington, D.C., is uh, what you see on on C-SPAN or on cable news where you see a senator stand up and deliver an uh, impassioned speech about whatever bill is on the floor uh, is really being delivered to an audience of just a couple. And when I say a couple, I'm not talking about a couple of senators. I'm talking about a couple of pages who are sitting on the floor Uh, on the steps there at the uh, Senate building and whoever is presiding at that particular moment. There are rarely other senators in the room uh, for many of these speeches. Uh, So we we saw during this impeachment trial, we saw days in a row and hours at a time where senators, all 100 senators were in the room and sitting at their desks and listening and taking notes and engaging in in a process that was very important. Now, over the last two days, we have returned to what is called morning business. And during morning business, uh, senators can speak. uh, And the rules were determined by Mitch McConnell and Chuck Schumer. They agreed that every senator would be given 10 minutes uh, to speak about whatever they wanted to as it relates to the impeachment trial. What they didn't say was the chief justice is not going to be here for that, nor are any of the other senators going to be here for those speeches. So we have sadly, once again, returned to the echo of the empty chamber. We talked about Senator Lee gave his speech about an hour ago. Uh, a great speech, solid on uh, his position, uh, his view of, of the facts and how it played out. He spent a lot of his time talking about the uh, separation of powers and how important that is and urging his colleagues to uh, reclaim what uh, powers are rightfully vested in the Senate, uh, not in the executive branch. Uh, but he delivered that to an audience that was uh, nobody really in there. And, and so sadly, what happens on all of these is that these senators make these speeches and then they slice and dice them, put them on their social media pages, and that's about the extent of it. They may use them in some fundraising emails, although I would highly discourage that as it relates to impeachment. Uh, and so we're currently watching uh, live Senator Christopher Murphy Murphy from Connecticut is delivering a speech, an impassioned speech, uh, to an empty chamber. Uh, And the echoes just kind of reverberate in there. Senator Mitt Romney will take to that Senate floor. Uh, He will likely say interesting things, uh, newsworthy things, and not a lot of people are going to hear that. 
of his colleagues who's, who they're trying to persuade. Uh, that was one of the most shocking things to me when I went back uh, to Washington, D.C. as a chief of staff was how many of these speeches are just delivered to nobody. Uh, I, re- I remember preparing a speech and getting it all ready. I was so excited. This was like a big, it was like West Wing, you know, marching down the hall of, of the uh, Capitol there, getting ready for the senator to deliver this big speech. And then there's no one in there. You know, a couple of very sleepy uh, teenagers, the Senate pages, <laughs> sitting on the steps. They're in the Senate listening uh, to these speeches. And, and so to me, that's a sad thing that we've returned to that. Uh, if anything, I think that we should call on the Senate to stay in session and for senators to actually sit in their seats so that when we watch things on C-SPAN, it'll actually be a debate. There'll actually be a conversation. There actually may even be some compromise. If nothing else, they should just listen to the other side. That's good for the democracy. That's good for our republic. Uh, But sadly, really in both chambers, both houses of Congress, Uh, They really become more production studio than they have a place for elevated dialogue and discussion and and rigorous debate that we know we know is necessary for our our republic to stand. And we've heard some wonderful speeches, even during the course of uh, of the impeachment trial. There's been some really interesting, really powerfully delivered, crafted speeches. Uh, But again, who who's listening? Is anyone listening? Uh, And are we even persuadable anymore? And so we, we have to be careful that we, we don't mistake uh, the echo of the empty chamber for the voice of the American people. It's not it. Uh, we really should have real debate. We really should have bills that are debated and amended and voted on over and over and over again. Uh, that's what we have elected our representatives to do, and that is what they should do. Now, I will also say that this is a we the people problem because it is a we the people problem and we also need to be very careful about the echoes of our own chambers and whether those uh, empty chambers are uh, just the echoes of our electronic devices uh, within our preferred media outlets or in our circle of friends who all agree with us it's easy to convince to convince ourselves that the the echo of our own words whether they're audible or electronic rightly represent the voice of the nation. We have to get to deeper dialogue. We have to get to more elevated conversation. Uh, That's the only way we can enlighten our thinking, inspire our better angels, and produce more innovative solutions to our problems. That's the test. You know, we're, we're trying to do something in this country that really hasn't been done in history. We're trying to be one of the first societies ever to outlive our own success. It's easy. It's easy to rest on your laurels. It's easy to slip into those comfort zones and just think, oh, everything's fine. Everything's good. Uh, it's not. We have things that we need to work on and that we need to improve. And so I think if, if nothing else, as the American people, the thing that we should demand, the thing that we should demand is that every day that the Senate is in session, there should at least be several hours. I would say two or three hours every day when all 100 senators are expected to be at their desks, engaged in debate, amendments, and votes in front of their colleagues and the American people. In fact, I would would call on every member of the Senate 
to go sit at their desk and open the drawer. Why? Because inside the drawer to those 100 desks are the signatures of the senators who came before them. And there's been some great ones on both sides of the political aisle. And I think if our senators really thought about who sat at this desk, who stood at this desk and cast a vote, who stood at this desk and delivered an impassioned plea for freedom and democracy, religious liberty, and so on, if we really thought about those things, I think they would vote different. I think they would talk different. I think they would compromise different. I think they'd get to different results that would all be different and better for our country. It's, it's a return to the desk. We have to eliminate the echo of the empty chamber. Uh, it doesn't work in our country today. But I will tell you, I, I did once stand in Freedom Hall in Philadelphia uh, very early one morning. There were only a couple of other visitors uh, there. And there is a, an echo in that place. It's the, it's the sound of freedom. And in that hall where America's founding principles and the proper framing of our freedoms and form of government were forged in passionate debates, critical compromise, and incredibly difficult votes. Uh, But the sound of freedom produced in Philadelphia has echoed down through the years and across the world for the last 200 plus years. And so the question for all of us is, in another 200 years, will future generations hear from our day the echo of an empty chamber, or will they hear the sound of freedom? I'm Boyd Matheson, opinion editor at the Deseret News. Great to be with you on KSL News Radio Inside Sources. As you go out into the world today, make sure you see something that inspires, say something that uplifts, and do something that makes a difference.